0: Hello, and welcome to the Recap by Dive Collective. Over the next few minutes, we're going to hit the highlights of the last week's reading from our reading plan. Annika and I, and sometimes Kelly, are excited to invite you along as we read through the Bible together. You can find our reading plan at divecollective.org. It's a free download when you sign up for our newsletter. We know some love the accountability of a checklist, while others thrive from the freedom to join in whenever your schedule allows. The Recap is intended to meet all of those needs. So whichever category you fit into, just know we're excited to have you here with us today. Hi! How are you? Good.
1: You press record already?
0: I did press record.
1: Okay. I listened to like the podcast from two times ago, and that was pretty hilarious.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I've never listened to a podcast. You haven't? She's never listened to him. She just trusts me. I listened to the very beginning from last week with Isaac, with my husband, because yeah. my friend Kristen texted me and was like, Isaac was on the podcast. And then she said, your wife, with a bunch of laughing faces. I left that in. And I was like, oh, it's still in there. So yeah. then the kids wanted to hear it. So we listened to the first, like, two minutes. Yeah. And then I was like, we're done. Um, yeah, I, can't.
1: I did listen to that one because I was like, uh, you know, how good does my game have to be? And- <laughs> And I just was like, I give up. So uh, we're just gonna we're gonna roll with it. That's
0: <laughs> the whole point. We just roll with it. We just Anika roll with it. And I it. have no idea what we're gonna talk about when we start. We always kind of. And in I always- have no
2: idea how it's gonna end up. So yeah, there's a lot of faith that goes into this.
0: Yeah, yeah. we always we actually almost always started off with I don't really have much to say, and then we talked for an hour and a half. So
1: with three people and God, you never run out of stuff, I suppose.
0: Yes, yes, yes. I'm going to welcome everybody to the recap. It's the August 21st episode and we have my brother, Bruce on the show and I'm super excited. It's funny because we haven't talked at all. I think like we've done it all in text. Hey, will you do the recap? Sure, I guess. Question. What do I have to do?
1: (laughs) Give me the details. Yes. so so you listened to
0: isaacs and you were like what do i have to do Mm -hmm. and now you know that you have to do nothing you just
1: i do have to take notes but i and i was like i should go take some notes
0: (laughs) well good because then you'll know what to say because i literally just write words here and there in my yep in my margins and i hope that i think of something to say when we talk
1: i have to confess i binge read everything
0: that's okay (laughs) i did this time too it happens
1: the girls and i flew home from pennsylvania last week so i was like i'm gonna read this on the plane i did Sam, for samuel and i started at the beginning because i couldn't start at the nice so,
0: yeah
1: so i did that then i did the romans one i always like that book and then mm-hmm. i waited several days and i read all of the Jeremiah's. And i'm like this is really horrible
2: <laughs> this week, yeah i was gonna ask if you started the beginning of jeremiah
1: no i did not
2: <laughs> we're pretty far I in
1: i don't know if i'll ever go back to the beginning of jeremiah <laughs> Actually, There's
2: a lot of redeem, sure. a lot of redemption in Jeremiah. I've,
1: I've done it. Just I've done. read it before. I'm sure. I just, yeah, I, <laughs> I, was, I was reminded. of if this, you have three things to read, you should start with Jeremiah. And like, <laughs> oh,
0: go, start with yeah. Jeremiah. Jeremiah,
1: <laughs> yes. Samuel, and then Romans. And
0: Jeremiah and then, is the piece this week of was the dinner harsh.
2: Plate. <laughs> this yeah. week was harsh in Jeremiah.
0: Yeah, you picked the worst week. We picked the worst week for you for Jeremiah. Sorry about that. So we may not talk about it much at all because it's really just doom and gloom. There's one small part. Where did we start? Jeremiah
2: 44.
1: I never got to my notes of Jeremiah, so I'll just tell you what I remember. It was the Moabites. I was thinking about them and how much I relate to them because they're getting pretty much hammered for relying on their might and their convenient living, I guess yes. is what it comes down to. I sat there and I went, oh. First of all, I always kind of thought I was the Moabites, it's not really Israelites anyway. So like, why is he yelling at them? Like, <laughs> what does he expect? But uh, anyway, I just, I, n- I noticed that and I was like, oh, it, I can relate to that a little bit.
0: Yeah, so this portion of Jeremiah, a lot of Jeremiah, he's actually talking. He's talking to the Israelites. This is like the portion... Where almost all of it, there's a, and the part that I circled or that I put a heart around is the only part where he's talking to the Israelites. So this is a weird part of Jeremiah because mm-hmm. he is addressing all of these lots of different nations, yeah, yeah outside nations. But he says in forty six, the part that I circled is the only part where I think that he's talking to the Israelites and says, "But you, dear Jacob, my servant, who he by the way has been yelling at for forty six oh, yeah. chapters." Mm-hmm and now he's talking to these other nations and he's talking to israel as if they're an exception even though he's been like he's basically told jeremiah don't bother praying for these people because they're the worst and i hate them and then he's well he doesn't say i hate them (laughs) he says but you dear jacob my servant you have nothing to fear israel there's no need to worry look up i'll save you from that far country i'll get your children out of the land of exile things are going to be normal again for jacob safe and secure smooth sailing Yes, dear Jacob, my servant, you have nothing to fear. Depend on it. I'm on your side. I'll finish off all the godless nations among which I've scattered you, but I won't finish you off. I have more work left to do on you. I'll punish you, but fairly. No, I'm not finished with you yet. Mm -hmm. Which reminds me of, again, I keep going to that one verse in Jeremiah. And the last word is, I will have mercy on you. Mm -hmm. That's how he ends everything. I feel like that's the theme. So that's actually kind of fun. Maybe we shouldn't have skipped for Samuel. We should have done Jeremiah because that would have led us beautifully into Romans, to the passages in Romans, I think. Well, we could go to
2: Romans from here and come back to Samuel.
0: We could because Romans relates to everything. Ah, Romans. Hey there. I just wanted to take a quick break to let you know that if you're enjoying our reading plan, but you're looking to dive deeper into the text using the Bible as your source, you would love our dive studies. When you become a member of Dive Collective, you get access to all of our interactive group studies. We begin the Book of Mark on August 11th. We'll dive deep into one chapter per week. You'll have the opportunity to participate in live, online video discussion with Annika and I and the rest of the Bible study group. Our next studies begin August 11th, so be sure to sign up at divecollective.org before we start. We would love to study with you soon. I underline
2: things and then when we're doing the recap that's kind of my like but it's all romance
0: yeah it's not going to be helpful this time so i don't even know where i'm going to find the part i think it's toward the end chapter 11 starting in verse 1 Does this mean then that God is so fed up with Israel that he'll have nothing more to do with them? Hardly. Paul's talking now about the fact that everybody has access to God now. They left the door wide open and now all the outsiders have access Mm -hmm. to God. And so he's saying, does that mean that God's fed up with Israel that he'll have nothing more to do with them? And I love this because whole passage then kind of points back to exactly what Jeremiah is saying, which is that like I will never Mm -hmm. be done with you, Israel. Mm -hmm. And he says, "Um, hardly remember that I... (laughs) The one writing these things, I'm an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham Abraham out of the tribe of Benjamin. You can't get more Semitic than I am. So we're not talking about repudiation. God has been too long involved with Israel, has too much invested to simply wash his hands of them. And then he goes on and he says, the same today, there's a fiercely loyal minority still, not many, perhaps, but probably more than you think. They're holding on, not because they think they're going to get out of it, but because they're convinced of God's grace and purpose in choosing them. If they were only thinking of their own immediate self-interest, they would have left long ago. And then what happened? Well, when Israel tried to be right with God on her own, this makes me think of what you were saying, Bruce, their own strength and convenience. Pursuing her own self-interest, she didn't succeed. The chosen ones of God were those who let God pursue his interests in them and as a result received his stamp of legitimacy. The self interest Israel became thick skinned toward God. Moses and Isaiah both commented on this. And then it goes on with the grafting and the pruning of branches and then how he's basically like, don't get arrogant and think too highly of yourselves because if he can ungraft them, he can mm-hmm. graft the very ones that mm-hmm. came off of them just as easily. So mm-hmm.
1: that part I really found encouraging. I feel like it's easy for me to get discouraged about where people are. And actually, it's connected back into Romans where it says, in Romans 10, verse six, it says, but the righteousness that is by faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near your mouth, it is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. It's just an interesting thing, I think, that you kind of look around and you're like, I personally sometimes get nervous. Do I get to spend eternity with them or not? And you, you spend a lot of time worrying about other people. And I just think fear strikes me sometimes that way, and it strikes me with regards to myself, even and I just I think that that passage where he was talking about just because you see a a branch lying on the ground that looks like it was cut off and discarded doesn't mean that god can't doesn't have bring
0: it back going you know
1: <laughs> bring it back and grafting it back on. you just have to really trust god's process and that he he really loves people way more than <laughs> you do and has a sense of what's right and what's the next thing. And the same thing goes for like the this whole idea of like, don't worry about who's going to heaven and who's going to hell, right? Just know who you are in Jesus, right? And do the Trust work- him. Do the work of becoming more like him because the more you become like him, the more people will experience God. So the more people experience God, the more transformational opportunities they'll have. So it's just don't get distracted basically.
0: God. In a nutshell, if I were to
1: wrap that all up. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it takes me back to Samuel, because I, I was thinking about how there's a lot about Jewish law that I don't fully get, but I do know that apparently he was nervous they are about to lose to the Philistines, mm-hmm. and Samuel was taking his good old time, apparently, and Saul goes and sacrifices, you know, makes the sacrifice that he shouldn't have made without Samuel, and... You sit there and you go, well, why did he do that, right? And it's because yeah. it's he was looking around and he was afraid and he felt like he could circumvent the system. And you just look at that and go, oh, I totally get that. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm,
0: I'm, <laughs> probably, oh, my gosh,
1: probably, yes. I probably would have done the exact same thing. And, so, and I love that his of,
0: response to Samuel is so innocent, too. It's kind of like, I mean, you weren't here. You weren't here. This yeah. needed to be done. Yeah. I was doing the thing that needed to be. Like, it was just almost like those are the moments that are really hard for me. It's when, like, you break a law, like when your heart's in the right. Well, and maybe I, I don't know Saul's heart, so I can't I maybe give him too much credit, but there are times where people are held accountable for doing the wrong thing, even when their intentions were.
1: Yeah, you're sitting there looking at him going, like, I got like, I got thousands of people here that are going to get killed. And I think my best option is to make a sacrifice to God.
0: right because i want god on my side right the the goal is to have god on your side and it
1: connected me for some reason i highlighted these two things together which was romans 8 verses 6 yeah okay it says the mind governed by the flesh is death but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace so it's like it's it's funny because the other one was death but the other one's life and peace right life and you can measure it with peace so Mm -hmm. You can kind of tell like Saul's spirit in the moment was not one of peace, right? It was one of uh, sacrifice, sacrifice, do it now. It kind of makes me think of Jesus in the storm on a boat. And mm-hmm. he's, he's sitting there going like, what are you guys worried about? Right? Like, don't you know who I am? Right. Why not? Don't, don't, you know, don't you know who I am? And they're like, yeah, we know who you are. And we also know there's a storm.
0: And you're not doing anything about it.
1: And I haven't quite seen you do this miracle yet, Jesus. (laughs) I don't quite get it. I'm familiar with, I think, what the opposite of peace is. And you start to go, how many decisions do I make trying to quell my soul, right? And to regain peace. So, and that's not how God wants us to make decisions.
0: Right, because even that, like, we're supposed to wait for him to do it. It's all supposed to be trusting him, that he's, he's in charge of the whole process. He's in control. And I feel like that's, personally, that's kind of where I'm at in this whole, like, just in this season of feeling ineffective and, like, I'm plotting a lot. Like, I want it all to be different. I want to be passionate. I want to be, I want to feel like what I'm doing is meaningful. Like, all these things that, like. I just don't feel like I feel right. Like I'm sp- mm-hmm. I want to feel differently than I feel right now. And if there was something that I could do to fix it, I would probably try to do it. But in the, like what I'm doing right now is just this trusting, okay, mm-hmm. Laura, this is where you have me right now. And this is a process that you are going to take me through and do, mm-hmm. you're going to do the thing, whatever that thing is and however long it takes, this is where I'm at. And so I was, I was actually talking to mom earlier, Bruce, which is funny. By the end of our conversation in First Samuel, Samuel's a faithful man the last judge and they all decide that they don't want to judge anymore like Samuel who's this incredible man who's been nothing but good to them who's actually
2: like, done a good job as a judge after all of the train wrecks
0: right who's been phenomenal and they're like we want a king talk about feeling ineffective Samuel's done a good job. And ultimately all of Israel has rejected him. And God is like, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me, which may be true, but it still, I'm sure affects him. But this is the word that I love that struck me. Samuel basically is like, you guys have made a really, really big mistake by even 12. a king. The end of 12, where he says, so here's the king you wanted the king you asked for. God has let you have your own way, given you a king if you fear god worship and obey him and don't rebel against what he tells you if both you and your king follow god no problem god will be sure to save you but if you don't obey him and rebel against what he tells you king or no king you will fear no better than your fathers pay attention he says all of these things and he basically is like you've made a huge mistake then they start repenting and they're like oh my gosh what have we done by asking for a king And then all the people beg, Samuel, pray to your God for us, your servants. Pray that we won't die. On top of all of our other sins, we've piled on one more by asking for a king. So Samuel says to them, don't be fearful. It's true that you've done something very wrong. All the same, don't turn your back on God. Worship and serve him with your whole soul. So that's just like a weird passage in and of itself, that we have a place where people have asked for something that's against God's will. God allows it and even provides a way for it to be okay as long as they obey. But here's the part that strikes me in verse 23 says, and neither will I walk off and leave you. That would be a sin against God. I'm staying right here at my post, praying for you and teaching you the good and right way to live. Mm -hmm. That patient endurance. Those are the words What mom was giving me was like patient endurance that like, I feel ineffective. I'm not sure what I'm doing here because I don't seem to be helping anything. You guys are going to do whatever the heck you want to do anyway, but I'm not going to leave my post. I'm going to st- because this is where God has me. Mm-hmm. And unless God moves me, I'm staying right here and I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to lead you in the way teaching you the good and right way to live. What a great leadership in every way that I saw Samuel. It was just like a, such an example of leadership. Speaking of leadership is that, I shared it with Tracy this morning because she was talking about leadership. I love this verse. In chapter 7, verses 15, it says, Samuel gave solid leadership to Israel his entire life. Every year he went on a circuit from Bethel to Gilgal to Mizpah. He gave leadership to Israel in each of these places. And I don't know, I just love that idea of him giving leadership like it's a gift. To be a leader is a really hard thing. And yet he gave that in this faithful way. He was just going going around giving away his leadership, <laughs>
1: another example of samuel giving away his leadership but i think that under the premise of god indwelling us more and more and more with his holy spirit and just having transforming us to become more and more like him it's not like a one-time thing right it's a it's a process and it's a growth and you're being transformed over time but there's a little nugget that i think saul gets it in a jolt of the spirit it says the spirit of the lord will come powerfully upon you and you will prophesy with them and you will be changed into a different person. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do for God is with you. That to me is ultimate peace and freedom. It's just whatever I'm finding to do is the thing to do because that's just, I'm totally filled with the spirit and I don't really need to think about am I doing the right thing?
0: (laughs) That totally (laughs) makes me think of Samson. Remember where it says like Samson was filled with the spirit? And he went and he yeah. went to marry, he found that girl and he found her attractive. So he was all about going to find her. And it doesn't even say that he was aware of it. It's just that like in the background, the narrator's like, he's just, he's filled with the spirit and God is with him. So he's just going and doing whatever he wants to do because God is with him, which makes me think God was using Saul even in the good and the bad. hmm.
1: I have two random things. You want to hear two random things that I read? Yeah. I want to know about what made them think that gold tumors in rats was a good idea.
2: Was the- that not the craziest thing? What do gold tumors even look like? Are they like right. ovals? golden eggs? Lumpy. Yeah. I picture right. them lumpy.
1: <laughs> who, who who did the prototype tumor? It was like, is this <laughs> is this an This what you word? are picturing? <laughs> is this what you had in mind?
2: <laughs> uh.
1: Oh, so exactly. weird right, i that. forgot
2: that we read that this week that whole scene where they're like we got to get rid of this ark this thing is trouble that was entertaining i don't know if i can use that word but
0: yeah so they, they stole the ark and then and it, okay. a couple different towns mm-hmm. well, and, and it just the, afflicted everybody that it was with
1: well and that was interesting right so like when when they got to israel and the 70 israelites looked into the ark and like 70 of them died right you're sitting there going so this is what it's like like God's presence in your life has consequences right <laughs> it's
0: you really seriously.
1: seriously and you can see that what happens how many of us go and we experience a serious consequence of having God in our life and we're like you go to that town God you call your neighboring town and you say I think God might want to stay with you and <laughs> we're friends
0: because I'm not really liking the way that God's impacting my life
1: you're this close. I want God in your town. So.
2: Those people died because they disobeyed. They knew better than to look into the ark, they knew that that was off limits for them. And so the consequences I, of God in our lives are always a result of our own disobedience. That's what we've seen through all of the Old Testament.
0: I can totally picture myself being one of the 70. Oh, wanting to peek? Totally wanting to peek. Is there really, like, I would want to know if, I want to know what the grains of bread look like. The jar that Moses put in there of the manna? Well, I would also
2: want to check and see if they messed with it. If it's coming back from other places, I would be like, so did they get to look into it and change things around?
0: Is it all still in there? Yeah. I was
1: sitting there going, like, how did 70 people fit around it and die all at once? Because that seems like a lot of people looking into the Ark yes was there a line of people that were dying one after another
0: <laughs> or did it just sit there for a while and and it took them a while, while to catch then, on yeah, yeah right. and then god was like all right we're done with all of you
1: the other and thing is know. i don't know if you caught this you go through this whole scene of of saul being anointed not anointed but like saul gets told that he's gonna be king which by the way would you really want to be the first king that god doesn't want to be king you know god doesn't really want a king and you're like do you get and you're like thanks Anyway, so he kind of has the info that he's going to be the king, but then that goes to this whole like, what is it, the casting of lots or whatever. So at the end of the day, it was this random thing that turns out to be him in the end, right? So don't they like draw lots for the tribe and then they they draw lots for the whatever, the, the group in the tribe, and then they cast lots for the person in the tribe. I didn't know that before that like he knew it was coming And they're casting the lots, and finally they draw his name, and they're like, where is he?
2: (laughs) he's hiding in the luggage. He's hiding.
1: Yeah, or something.
2: I wonder if he was hiding, hoping that the lots would turn out differently. Like, if he was like, okay, God, Samuel told me that I'm going to be king, but now they're casting lots, so maybe I'm not going to be king after all, and maybe I'm going to get out of it, so I'll just go hide over here.
0: I'm trying to imagine that day where he's going to meet Samuel on the road, and he thinks he's looking for his donkeys. That day that you walk away. How from... everything just happens. Yeah, it just happens Samuel to Samuel tells him
2: what's going to happen. Yeah.
0: Yeah, God just happens to Saul. Like it wasn't, mm-hmm. there was no, he wasn't looking for anything. And then he walks away after a day and Samuel's like, stay behind because I got something to tell you. Surprise. And this mm-hmm. is how you're going to know. You're going to be a crazy man by the end of tomorrow and go with God. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I wonder
2: if
0: Saul was part of the group that wanted a
2: king. Mm. And then he was like, oops. Hmm.
1: I don't know. Someone else.
2: Yeah. I didn't mean I wanted to be king.
0: Really? I kinda get the impression or maybe that's he the kind of really, guy that wants to be king. Right.
2: Or maybe he was like, sweet, this worked out really well for me. So yes. The
1: good news for you and I, Aaron, is that, you know, God 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 spoke to him while he was looking for things. And we spent a lot of time doing that. <laughs> so our is This is a,
2: a Haggerty family trait. <laughs> yes.
1: We lose our things. <laughs> so the things. You spend a lot of time looking for things, and that's when God reaches out to you.
0: Bruce has maybe provided me my best life advice, which is if you've lost something, it's either and you've looked around long enough, it's either in something or under right. something. So after I look for a while, I start checking pockets and lifting things up. <laughs> this is the best part. Ultimately, nine times out of 10, I don't find the thing, and I just, it's going to show up one day. But Bruce's strategy is my favorite.
1: Oh yeah, I do have a budget line item for being me. That's true.
2: For things you lose.
1: Just yeah. yeah it costs me, cost me a certain amount of money every year just to be me. So
2: <laughs> it just <laughs> replaces it. it, it. it. <laughs> that's so great. Well, you yeah. know that's when it shows up, is once you replace it. That's when you find it. But he I also has get one
1: credit. to give away. I get credit for fixing things. So, you know. If you it, do. I was almost to buy a $2,000 refrigerator, but I can fix it with a $30 part. It goes to me. (laughs) One other thing that I stuck out, I didn't highlight it here, but in Romans 8, 26, when it was talking about, and I think this kind of ties all of them together a little bit for me, is just that the spirit intercedes through wordless groans. (gasps) There's a piece of me that like is really encouraged to know that in the And just kind of like the aching of life, like even I I can hear it, Aaron, a little bit in you and just like, what's the point. Like there's just a groaning to to life sometimes. And I I do think that there's a holiness to that groan. There's something that's that's happening in you that is that to some extent represents the absence of God, because in some way we're fully in his presence. But in other ways, we're very much not, you know. And for some reason, when I was listening to a couple of podcasts, but the analogy to me was like astronauts in space. And when they look away from the sun into space, it's just so dark. The absence of light is so stark and heavy that it's it's almost breathtaking for them to, to see it. And I think that's a little bit of our souls kind of feel the absence of God. The groaning that happens in there that we don't fully get and understand, I think it's really comforting for me i think to know that 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 absence is real there's like a there is a very much a harshness to it cuz that's kind of what jeremiah t- is going through with this is what the this is what sin looks like this mm. sin being primarily the absence of me in your life us not being connected you being so far from yes. being an image bearer that there has to be consequences for this merely to bring you back to what you're what you're meant to be and so it's good for me to know that, you know, I don't always have to have words for it. And I don't always have to have even know what I'm what I'm missing. I know the times where I've just gone, God, just help me help change me, help make me more like you. Really, that's all I really want. I want to I want to be able to just walk along in my life and whatever my hands find to do. You're happy with that, <laughs> you know, yeah. and good things will come of it. And some of those good things are going to be painful. But they're good things regardless. So
0: I love that. It actually makes me think about what you were saying earlier about Saul that we can whatever we're gonna put our hands to and that he goes with us. Do you know what I mm-hmm. mean? Like it's really supposed to be that easy mm-hmm. for all of us. That was the intention all along was that we would have him in us and that we just please him. We just yeah. please him because because of Romans, because of everything because that Romans does. Because he did it all for us. I mean, all of Romans I went through a period of time that was just really pondering the passive role that we play in our salvation and our sanctification. It's all God's work. And that you see it all over Romans. It's just this idea that like he did all of this for us. It pleased him. He loves us. Nothing can get between us and God's love Mm. because of the way Jesus, our master has embraced us. So in chapter eight, also verse 15, it says this resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave tending life. It's adventurously expectant greeting God with a child, like what's next, Papa. I love that. Like that's our, that is our life with him. That's the way it's intended to be. It's just this complete knowledge that nothing can separate us from God's love at this point, not because of anything that we did, but because we couldn't do it. So in Mark chapter one, Jesus says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is here or at hand in Galatians. There was a verse that says when the fullness of time had come, and so I've been thinking about just this idea of like this fullness and both of those words are the same basically. And they, they just mean this crammed full. And I think about like this God that's external to time, who just wanting to be with us, wanting to love us, wanting to be a hundred percent in our midst. That idea that like the fullness of time had come, the time just like bursts, Jesus comes on the scene and it's like, it's done. Now I'm dwelling with my people. This is where I've wanted to be all through time. This is I've been waiting for this moment, even though you exist outside of time. You know what I mean? Just that yeah. like uh, picture of, like God outside of like this bubble of time is just God's gladness. That's all I can think about is like God's gladness at that moment of what he was doing when Jesus burst on the scene to do this so that we can be his favorites, each and every individual one of us. It's crazy. I don't know how I got there from what you were saying, but that's what it makes me think of is that the easiness that it's intended to be for those of us who are called. It's meant to be easy. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. It makes me think about the
2: Galatians keeping in step with the spirit and that all it takes is like a quick correction to get back in step with the spirit. And that that was like you were saying, it's not supposed to be hard walking in the spirit. That's where freedom is. I always picture that um, that kick step that I forget. Maybe it was Kristen that picture that Kristen. she yeah.
0: Yeah, she was talking about how her, her husband was teaching her kids how to march in step, and when they would get out of step, he was teaching them that all it takes is just like a quick stutter step, and that puts you right back in step.
1: Mm-hmm. And so
0: she was, he was doing that the week that we were studying this first in Galatians that talks about walking in step with the Holy Spirit. It was just such a great picture of how easy mm-hmm. it is like the way that it was intended to be easy Mm -hmm. to walk in step with the Holy Spirit and a quick moment of repentance brings us right back Mm -hmm. in step with the Holy Spirit. I seriously have everything hearted. I can't emphasize enough. So reading Romans in the message is just so refreshing. I have everything underlined and hearts everywhere and things make so much more sense. I feel like we need to start
2: another podcast just for Romans. Yeah. We've been talking for an hour and we've hardly talked about Romans.
1: What do you have to say about Romans? I want to know what you have to say about Romans.
2: Yeah, you barely even started. Who, me? Yeah. Yeah. There's so much. So one of the things, actually, since we were just talking about Galatians, he talks so much about the law and why. Why the law? But in chapter five, I love how he explains that at the end of chapter five, just through one trespass, there's condemnation for everyone, which is Adam. So through one righteous act, there's justification leading to life for everyone. Verse 20, the law came along to multiply the trespass, but where sin multiplied, grace multiplied even more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace will reign through righteousness, resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I've probably talked about Andrew Peterson before. He's a singer-songwriter that writes songs that one phrase will stick in my head and I will think about it for days. Like he just, he's word pictures, one of the songs, actually, this was one of my favorites when my mom passed away. One of the lines in there is that all of the death that ever was, if you set it next to life, it would barely even fill a cup. Like if you add up all the death and then you set it next to a cup full of life, our human minds can't even comprehend the amount of grace that we've been given in Christ.
0: Yeah. Where he talks about Adam, it makes me think of that he talks about trying to compare what Adam did by bringing death into the world. Is this mm-hmm. what you're talking about? Is this what you were yes, just That's just
2: before that. Yeah.
0: And then he, but he basically says like, it doesn't even compare because what death, what Adam brought in death, ultimately he's saying it's not a good metaphor, but here we go. And he explains Adam bringing death and then Jesus bringing life. And then he says, and this is where the, basically the metaphor breaks down here because the life that Jesus brings in grace isn't even It doesn't compare. It's not even in the same. Right. You can't use it as a metaphor for the death. because it's a whole different kind of life. Yeah, exactly. And I love that, again, the way that Eugene Peterson paraphrases that. It's phenomenal in that Mm -hmm. idea that, yeah.
2: The overflow of grace is how, I think that's, I'm assuming that's probably close to what you're talking about is in my version it's worded, the overflow of grace.
0: The rescuing gift is not exactly parallel to the death-dealing sin. If one man's sin put crowds of people at the dead end abyss of separation from God, just think what God's gift poured through one man, Jesus Christ, will do. There's no comparison between the death-dealing sin and this generous life-giving gift. Here it is in a nutshell, just as one person did it wrong, and got us all in this trouble with sin and death. Another person did it right and got us out of it. But more than just getting us out of trouble, he got us into life. Mm -hmm. So this wide open spaces, you know, I love that phrase, wide open spaces Mm -hmm. in chapter five at the very beginning. It says, by entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us, set us right with him, make us fit for him, We have it all together with God because of our master Jesus. And that's not all. We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that he has already thrown open his door to us. We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand, out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting our praise. What on earth, like what does that even say in your version? because I know that's not what I've ever read totally before. <laughs> different. I know you love
2: the message it and I do too. I actually it's hard for me to hear the message I'll bet as romance in my mind is so technical
0: I know and that's <laughs> one of
2: the things I love about it yeah. that like the message takes all of that away, it, which isn't a bad thing all all away. Other, I
0: know But I
2: love, love that I love that technical aspects of
0: it. I like that yeah, There's nothing it. right now. Why are you laughing?
1: <laughs> Who, me? Yeah. Well, uh, just because it's, it's, she's totally right. I like the, both are good, but she's, <laughs> but, it, but Romans is not the same in the message.
2: No, <laughs> I mean, it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. But I want the, I want to be able to take like this word and look at where he's quoting it from and what the, like, you can't yeah. do that with
0: the message. No, not in this no. book. And I think that I almost wonder... <laughs> I wonder if Eugene Pearson started with Romans and did it all up and then he got... Because I feel like other Tomed places it's a lot a little closer. Bit later. Yeah. yeah, I kind of feel like in other places it's a well, lot closer.
2: So the message is a paraphrase. Like, it's his interpretation. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there's a lot of interpretation that needs to happen in romans in order to translate it into that kind <laughs> of language you don't need as much interpretation when you're like telling the story of samuel you know what i mean like it's a totally but even different psalms
0: like there's a total uh, interpretation in the psalms that's so different than the words yeah but the psalms is already poetry too yeah
1: the message is one guy interpreting all of the bible right and yeah the bible is all these different voices Yeah. so yeah. you're getting one voice when you get the message yeah yeah. I
2: definitely would like to read it in the message, but right now I'm so, I'm enjoying so yeah, much yeah, yeah. like the,
0: I love that.
1: I will yeah. say that, I will say that Romans for me has become, it used to just like get me all jazzed because of how, how logical it was because mm-hmm. like he's very, like, he's just chunking through it, like trying to,
2: he's proving
1: like, apologetics, he's, I guess. Basically. Yeah. Yeah logic and reason on one hand i think the one thing that he really does well that i that i connect with is and i have really started connect with most recently as I, I bought a book of fallacies right and i start to realize how much fallacy rules my life there's a lot of those rotten beliefs that are in your mind and in your heart that are like oh those are based on logic but they're false logic you know what i mean and so it's it's fun to watch him make these arguments. So if we should do this, then therefore should we do this? And it's like, of course not. Of
2: course not, yeah. <laughs> I feel like
1: it's like what I have to tell myself every day. Right. Of course not. I know what you're thinking, but no, of course not. That part totally resonates with me. But I think that, I don't know, I'd have to probably maybe find a, a, a different book that resonates with me probably in this part of my life. Because where I am now, there's something about Aaron, you made a comment about there's a passive role so much, somewhat in your salvation. I think that that's, from a work standpoint, that's true. God's doing all the work, but I think from a response standpoint, there's so much to just be grateful for. Like affection just builds, mm, like yeah. Your heart swells and you just love people more and you see so much more opportunity, even when like, I'm a person who easily dismisses people. And so, but I'm in a place in my life where I'm aware of it and I'm so convinced that I'm wrong. Even in my dismissal, I'm like, I know that I'm wrong. I am missing something here because I just dismissed them way too offhand. Because the truth, I feel like transformation results in just more, a, a deeper affection for who, for who God is and an appreciation for how much he loves you, but also just turns into a, a much deeper affection for other mm-hmm. people which
2: and affection is not passive
1: it's it's that way you going with that it's it's kind of like kind of like this living water right it just Mm -hmm. kind of it's it kind of bubbles up inside you from him and from the holy spirit You kind of see people a little differently you you want different things for them but with you like you want the connection
0: here at the end of that passage i just read in romans chapter five it says where it says, and that's not all we throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that he's already thrown open his doors to us. We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting our praise. I think that like you're talking about, like, there's just a, no, there's a response that just naturally happens from an awareness of our salvation in its very nature, just our, our awareness of who God is and what he's constantly doing in our lives. That it, if we're aware of it, there's only one response to that. And that is to shout his praise. There's just a natural response. And that results in loving others, the way that he loves us, praising him, worshiping him. I kind of think of like loving others as sort of a natural outpouring of worship. Like that's just those two things kind of like go hand in hand for me.
1: The word love for me is kind of loaded in a weird way. And I think the word affection is kind of like, it adds to it for me. Like, when I think of God loving me, that's great. But, like, sorry to miss you, God. But, like, the affection word. It's different. Is, it's a different word. Yep.
2: Affection different. is, like, because he wants to. Like, mm-hmm. you can love someone because it's the right thing to do and because mm-hmm. you choose to do it and it's based more in your that's actions. Yeah. Affection is, like, a good feeling. Yes, like, it. he wants to. Yeah.
1: There's a delight. There's delight. The yeah. That go with it. And I just, and I do think that that just in that way, when you, when you start to experience people in the world that way, two things happen. One is a lot more grief takes place because the world is so opposite of that. Right. There is just not a deep affection in the world for each other or for ourselves or for, or for God. And for sure, for God. So that's one thing, there's a little more grief, but there's also, there's just so much more, there's just so much more opportunity. The abundance of opportunity with relationship with God and, and, and the and the and the play, it's almost like he said, any work you do through the eyes of the love that God has for people, anything that you can, anything that you can find to do in that perspective is good work. He's with yeah. you. Move, move along.
0: I think that's what I mean when I say passive, like our passive role in it is that you can't drum that up you can't make that in yourself like that's all a work that I think I've always thought of Jesus like lived this perfect life to model for us how we are to live but that's that not... Jesus lived this perfect life because we cannot like he mm-hmm. did it for, for us. us not to model it for us to do although in the There's end an aspect the goal is that God would create us to be more like him. Mm -hmm. Right. But even in that, that is like, that's a work that God has to do in us. Like we can't, we can't fashion ourselves in his image. Like he has to fashion us in all of the aspects. And so I think, I think
1: that's what I mean
0: by passive is that it's the temptation is to want to do it or to drum up the feelings of affection that.
1: You can't drum it up. There's. Yeah. At the end of the day, he was he was connected to the Father through the Holy Spirit. That was his goal. Every time that he was alone, every time that he was quiet with him, every time he paused before he did something, he was connected to the Father through the Holy Spirit. And to that extent, he was modeling that to us, right? Mm-hmm. This This is the only way to live a full life, is for at the end of your life to be like, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Mm -hmm. and we have the capacity to do that like he's given us the holy spirit and god certainly wants to transform us to become more like him but that affection i think it's just it's a it's a building thing hopefully get more and you want more you want more and you know you go through the you go through the times where you feel like there's so much good things happening and then you kind of feel like there's times where you're you know trying to make things happen Mm -hmm. things are happening when you're not. Trying.
0: But I feel like even at here, like we could circle back to the very beginning where you say that, like, you're talking about the groanings, like, he knows our hearts. That's the point, though, right? Is that, like, that's your desire. And he, that's really what it comes down to, right? Is
1: the desire getting bigger and bigger, bigger and bigger.
0: Making the desire known to him. I was Kristen Lester's podcast, wanting to hear from God, like, wanting signposts and like him providing them. And she's like, but we just have to ask. Like, he wants to give us those things, but he also wants us to ask for them. You know, that's how do you do it? How do you activate it? That's how do you, how do you make it happen? You can't, you have to ask. He does that.
1: One more little touch on, uh, on Samuel when he talks about when God helped him kill the Philistines, he raised the Ebenezer. The idea of a standing stone, right? This is the marker of like God's work being done. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that... Uh, Each of us has those standing stones in our life, these Ebenezer's that you can look back and go, yeah, that was a critical time. And I I can tell you some, you know, probably one of my biggest ones there was, you could tell there was just a deep groaning. And I asked for something so basic and similar because it just was, it's all I had. I had some, and I'm pretty sure that he wasn't answering the words that were coming out of my mouth. I think he was answering the groaning that was happening Mm -hmm. inside in combination with I think life just gets you to these places that are just mm-hmm. hard. You see your impotence, so to speak, you can't do it. And you're like, I, you know, I remember asking, I was like, God, just make me more like you. And I just, I asked that mainly so I wouldn't have to make wrong decisions, <laughs> right? Like I, I did I was so tired of trying to figure out what the right decision was. I'm like, if I was like you, I could do this thing where I just walk over whatever my hands do. I, <laughs> is happy. You know what I mean? I want that. I want the thing that whatever I want to do is perfect because I like you. That's what I want.
0: I like that.
1: It was so not like, God, give me affection for people. (laughs) That's not my request. It was make my life easier.
0: (laughs) So good.
1: With these words. But I said the different words and there's the groaning and other things happened and it was fantastic. So be (laughs) smarter.
0: That's you know, so good, I love that.
1: But it was the best I could uh, my logical brain could come up with was, if, if, I, if I got this, I'm pretty sure this other stuff would go away.
0: Yeah, like, and then he's like, sure, I'll make you more like me, but then you're gonna have affection for people, which is gonna suck, because people, like, that's, they're inconvenient, and they're hard, and it hurts.
1: <laughs> it's weird at work. I do enjoy what you guys are doing. I, I like the organic, kind of taking a step of faith putting this together and I have to believe that it's reaching people and encouraging them. There is something very refreshing about the environment that you guys put together. So that's pretty cool.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. This I was a fun it. one. Okay. Thank you, Bruce.
1: Thanks for getting me to spend time with you.
0: If you enjoyed this discussion and maybe you're wondering how to get more highlights out of your own scripture reading, you might be interested in joining our in-depth dive studies where we model our process of inductive Bible study. You can find out more at divecollective.org under the studies tab. And we will see you next week.